Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good morning, Jerrica. Ah, oh, morning, Joan. How are you? I'm fine. I've had a gorgeous Christmas and uh, we've got a bit of a treat today, haven't we? Oh, we certainly have. I mean, I, for one, I'm struggling with a rather distended tum Ooh. after all the, I'm afraid, all the, uh, oh, goodness. We've Gosh, just moving around like you've got a baby in yes. there with elbows and heads and things. I know, Joan. Well, of course, we had this wonderful multi-pigladeer, mm. uh, multi-meat pigladeer, which, uh, is, uh, you know, is this wonderful venison stuffed with a pig, stuffed with a, um, a, a small uh, fallow deer. Um, and actually, we went even further this year, and we got a goose into the fallow deer, and then a chicken into the goose, and then uh, we had um, a little rabbit, which we stuffed into the chicken, uh, just a little one. And um, I know you sometimes put spiders in the middle of the rabbit. That's right, and we popped a stuffed a handful of spiders, uh, pickle spiders, which Cardinal adores, a handful of pickle spiders, which we rammed up the rabbit and pushed that into. Anyway, it was a wonderful meal. You have mm. to cook it for 48 hours. Um, mm. Uh, but oh goodness me we did have a wonderful feast at the end of it all and uh, I can see why your stomach's moving about like that do you think there's something not uh, didn't cook through properly well I think what happened partly Joan was that the hooves we left on the hooves and I don't know we'd had an awful lot to drink and I wonder whether I didn't eat a couple of the hooves and Mm. they're sort of poking out at the side and then because the stomach's churning I suppose they're just bashing against the stomach wall rather like a you know trapped animal trying to get out Uh, absolutely rather uncomfortable but anyway we do have this wonderful treat in store for listeners today. Uh, Joan, uh, as you may know, is a very well-renowned novella and novel writer. And I'm very pleased to say that today we're going to uh, give you Lust and Lies at Glanmore Manor, which uh, is Joan Damry's latest penned masterpiece. Or should I say mistress piece? Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Some viewers may find uh, some of the material offensive and distressing. Yes. Lost and Lies at Glanmore Manor. Glanmore Manor stood proud against the bruising winter sky, its fine turrets glistening like polished fingers, the sun nudging through the gauzy clouds, a white chocolate button melting at the edges. Once home to Clark Gable and Carol Lombard, it positively oozed class and mystery. Elizabeth stirred from her afternoon slumber amidst sheets of silk, her wet brown nipples proudly pointing skyward. She turned her creamy face to greet that of her sleeping lover, Armand. He lay naked, spread-eagled, his long russet fringe sticky with love sweat, flying up and down atop his bold nose as hot, sexy air puffed from his nostrils. Sunlight danced across his sweat-frenzied torso, a luscious river of carroty chest hair seeming to glow as she scurried her hungry finger within its hot forest, down towards his musky place, a big nest of bouncy sex hair that housed his thick brown manhood. Though they had already made love nine times over lunch, his dozing soldier once more fattened at the whiff of her fast-approaching finger. 
Armand raised his body, a heaving ocean of tanned flesh, and mounted her, his hot burgundy lips clamping onto hers, his wild forty-year-old tongue searching her mouth like a busy detective. Mm. She parted her toned legs and felt his full length travelling into her, the smell of his manly breath still thick with last night's steak au poivre, and his fat testes slapping against her made for a moistening, and as he thrust his sex stalk back and forth within her, all the while gripping her wrists and eating her nipples, she groaned at the sight of his face, screwed like an angry tissue, his mouth in the sexy grimace of a man in the midst of a stroke. Suddenly and without warning, he reared up and shot his pearled love milk deep within her, just as she was bucking herself to climax. And once their judders ceased and his palsied face softened, he slid free his floppened man, bestickied with their juices, and slumped beside her, a piggy snort hooting from his toned behind as sleep engulfed him. Elizabeth watched him dress. He pulled on his jeans, tight and clinging in all the right places. No pants, so that their morning love smells would live hot in his jeans all day, mixing with all the wonderful man wafts that his body made in trying to digest last night's steak. But she knew the magic of this moment could not last forever, because she was married to Roland, a stout and balding man with drooping lips and an angry penis. Roland and Elizabeth had married young, long before Elizabeth had learnt of all the heady pleasures her nubile body could offer. He had sired her a son, Sebastian, as gorgeous as his mother and certainly her favourite child. Sebastian was a golden-haired, muscular teen with crystal blue eyes and a clutch of beautiful male friends. And Elizabeth knew just one smile from her would send their teen trousers tenting. Whereas her daughter, Cliffalis, was a spotty, halitotic lump of a girl with fuzzy hair and a long gloomy face and whom Elizabeth found to be a grotesque embarrassment. Roland seemed oblivious to all the men that hungered for his wife. Perhaps this was deliberate. Perhaps it was his failing sight, unremedied even by glasses so thick they made his eyes raccoon big like a village simpleton. Of course, he knew Elizabeth was quite the catch, but she seemed content enough playing the role of dutiful wife, entertaining in their lavish Kent home with a myriad of handsome male staff she employed. He presumed her continued lack of interest in the bedroom department was lady problems and was too squeamish to ask for more details. After all, this was a man who thought a uterus was a type of shoe. Armand slipped out of the manor and onto his chunky motorbike, roaring off in nothing more than drainpipe jeans and his open shirt. Elizabeth eyed him from the latticed window, her sweaty breasts pressed against the panes and her rosy vulva heating at the sight. Hearing Roland's hefty footsteps on the landing, she dived under the stickied covers. He entered the room in his bulky salmon cords, his fast jowling face ringed by a sad horseshoe of hair beneath its balding peak. I brought you a tea, my dove, he said, as she feigned sleep amidst the sex-fetid sheets. He placed the silver tray gently on the table beside her. Feeling any better? He probed, his nostrils flaring one then the other, curious to name the heady pong that hung in the air. Not really, she whimpered, her eyes glittering with the dewy afterglow of ten rounds of intercourse. Poor lamb, I thought I heard you shouting earlier, Roland went on. Really? She shrugged her mouth in a pout. Yes, you were screaming, more, more, deeper, quicker. Oh, oh, yes, uh, Nanny was running me a bath. She explained and sat up, her hefty breasts escaping one by one as the sheets fell, her tawny nipples pointing at Roland like hot cigars, causing him to gulp for air like a drowning moorhen. Oh, well, have your tea and bickies, and I wonder, might you join us for supper, my dove? I have clients coming from around the globe, and I should so enjoy showing off my beautiful wife. I'll, I'll try if I'm well enough, 
Elizabeth managed a weak smile and began to suckle at her tea like a sickly infant as her dowdy husband waddled out of the door. That evening, the great room was abuzz with chatter as the guests tucked into the 14-course fish-and-fowl dinner. Most were Roland's business associates, whom Elizabeth always found to be crashing bores. Roland worked in toilets, famous for inventing the Dizzy Loo, with its fast-revolving bowl that worked to batter the stools to butterscotch, however big and bad. Why this never took off, no one really knew, but celebrities liked it, and Roland proudly framed a letter from the Queen expressing her delight having had one installed at both Buckingham Palace and Balmoral. Despite the dull company, Elizabeth had dressed exquisitely, advised as always by her darling Sebastian, who loved to watch his mother creaming her hot bod, often asking for his assistance in the hard-to-reach places, before donning her whisper-thin thong and no bra beneath another bespoke masterpiece. Tonight, her rich mahogany hair was a nest of hot sausagey curls, tumbling all about her gold halterneck gown that could barely house her heavy breasts, each erect nipple pricking through the gauzy fabric like long chocolate warts. The lower part of the dress was no more demure, slashed as it was from ankle to thigh, so that as she walked, one was greeted by tantalising glimpses of her now bristly pedenda. Roland had allowed Cliffless to join their repast much to Elizabeth's irritation, and she sat awkwardly in her rust woollen trouser suit, nodding through the dinner like a gormless puppet. Elizabeth cringed to see the stout Japanese men and even their dutiful wives recoil from her ghastly daughter with her oozing spots and poopy egg breath. But when Sebastian appeared, late, long and loose in the doorway, a backlit Adonis in velvet black jeans and vests slashed to the tummy, the temperature shot from zero to one hundred. The ladies twittered and swooned at his wonderful anecdotes and Elizabeth visibly puffed at compliments about how alike they were physically. Indeed, she had posed for many a photo with Sebastian, his trunks matching her bikini, entwined in sensual yogic poses or her cradling him to her breast like a great big baby, his full lips quivering just shy of her vivid nipple. Ever since he could toddle, she had murmured hotly in his ear that no girl could ever be good enough for him. And as Elizabeth watched her son prancing across the great hall, she felt the truth of her words hit home like a wrecking ball. Sebastian was just born lucky, gorgeous, pleasant-natured, and with very little going on between his pretty ears, life was simple. He neither liked nor disliked his sister. The fact was, he barely noticed her. She longed to be part of his gang, the beautiful people, though there was one amongst them who was not. Frozzy, a big bumpy beast of a boy, who was enjoyed by the group for his outrageous antics and loved to tease Cliffalus as he knew he could taunt her to tears and she would never fight back. She was even uglier than him and he loved the feeling that he could destroy her. Cliffalus's heart sank as she saw Frozzy enter, his big legs piped into pigeon grey drain pipes, and she glanced down, but too late. He had seen her and pounded over. Hello, Cliff, said Frozzy sneeringly. Like your suit? Cliffalus looked up in shock, her mouth quivering towards a smile. Do you? Stunning. Just needs a slight tweak. And with that, he clipped Cliffalus's plate into her lap. She burst into hot tears as Yorkshire puds and gravy slopped all down her trouser legs, burning her pudenda and forcing her up and away from the table as onlookers sniggered. Mama, she whispered as she approached, her crotch now a big brown stain. I wonder, might you lend me one of your dresses? Elizabeth had not seen Frozzy's assault, so now drew her own conclusions. Dear God, you've started menstruating. Ew, I can smell it. Go to your room, quickly. I can smell the dead meat. 
The other guests looked on in horror, and Cliffless burst into fresh tears and fled the great room, wishing she was dead. Roland, meanwhile, was waxing lyrical about the joys of the Dizzy Lou, which Elizabeth had heard a thousand times before. She was about to die of boredom when Dre Perfonis arrived, a very big cheese in the world of toilets. Roland seemed a little peeved that Dre had only deigned to join them for the bash brulee dessert, but this guy had money to burn and business was business. Dre positioned himself opposite Elizabeth at the long table and deftly managed to simultaneously amuse the guests with rambunctious tales of his days as a model in Milan, set up a lucrative business deal with Roland and intoxicate Elizabeth with long, lusty looks and dazzling banter. Of course, she was wildly in love with Armand. He was her one and only. But, beautiful as she was, she couldn't resist the attentions of other handsome men. And besides, Armand had gone back to the wild cliffs of Cornwall to tend his dying mother, leaving Elizabeth bereft. Men like Dre, with a slick gold topknot and thin green eyes, were pure animal. A lounging panther in a great linen suit. Just as she was pushing the last spoonful of brulee into her sensual pink mouth, Elizabeth felt the prod of Dre's lengthy toe at the mouth of her hungry vulva. He smiled at her slyly, showing just a hint of his perfect wet teeth, the Japanese men either side of him utterly unaware of his busy big toe. Elizabeth's breath quickened and her nipples sprung still further forward, now breaking through the fabric, as the spindly vicar Harold, seated to her right, continued to bore her with next week's sermon. Elizabeth cocked her hips, allowing Dre's tanned toe deeper access. In and out, faster and faster he pumped it, all the while conversing with the guests and using his remaining toes to drum busily upon her now bulging lovebead, spelling out his name with his hooked toenail until she reached a huge shuddering climax, disguised beneath a loud but feminine laugh. Ah, has Harold been telling you one of his funny stories? squawked the boozy-nosed Roland as his wife gripped at the table in the final throes of orgasm. Yes, 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 she shrieked. Well, smiled the bony-faced vicar. Looks like that sermon is going to be a corker. Elizabeth was surprised and not a little disappointed to see Dre join the other men as they retired to the rumpus room for port and cigars, though he threw her a flirty look as he parted. She shot one back and couldn't help but notice the sticky love stain on his still bumpy crotch. Elizabeth sat briefly with the wives in the conservatory, drinking coffees and exchanging pleasantries. But she was too much of a goddamn firecracker to stomach this tawdry tattle for long and excused herself with a sudden migraine. She strode outside into the crisping evening, stars freckling the dusky sky, the moon a smudgy silver ball illuminating her film star face. She plucked a gold-tipped cigarette from her velvet clutch, lit it and drew deep, the luscious smoke thrilling through her still throbbing bod. Cliffalis appeared like a stain, wondering if her mother wanted anything. She hissed at her like a sneak disturbed. Elizabeth felt a pang of regret at how she loathed her daughter, but she was sadly cursed with a type of face that had not one redeeming feature, and Elizabeth felt physically sick every time she looked at her sad piggy eyes and that gormless underbite with large yellowing teeth that appeared to have been thrown into her mouth like old scrabble pieces. I'm going back to boarding school tomorrow, mother. Her thin voice is grating to Elizabeth as nails on a chalkboard. And, she snapped, grinding her cigarette stub into the gravel with her expensive heel. I'll miss you. She reached a damp, trembling hand towards her mother's, hopefully. Elizabeth eyed it as if it were a piece of soiled tissue ponging with dog mess. Sorry if I'm annoying, wept Cliffalis, her pitch rising with every broken splutter. I do try to be what you want, mother. I do t- t- try. The tears flew out. Well, don't bother, 
she lashed and stalked off into the night, her conquery hair bouncing like a boy on a trampoline, as Cliffalis plodded back indoors, still whimpering like a smacked whippet. Elizabeth's fine golden legs and sharply stilettoed heels crunched on the gravel as she strode towards the stables. Her favourite stallion, Chocolate Boy, would be in there, and she knew their unspoken connection was the only way to tease her from this antsy mood. As she entered the stables, he whinnied with delight, tossing his glossy treacle mane hither and thither at the sight of his wily mistress. She wrapped her tanned yoga arms around his hot, dark neck, nuzzling her pretty nose into his moist and twitching snout. She loosened her halter top, letting her breasts flop free, and drifted them along his veiny rump. Soon she was holding each one like a fat pencil and drawing circles with her nipples all over his black hide, beads of sweat springing up on his torso like popping corn. Around the back she went, tugging at his coarse tail and laughing, teasing it, twisting it, twirling it, poking her nipples in and out of his wrinkly rectum, causing him to rear, his two front legs bent high and paddling, his penis springing longer and longer from its sheath, unfolding like a blind man's stick. Suddenly his tail flipped skyward, his anus flaring wide, shooting from it a violent scurry of faecal pellets into Elizabeth's loud, laughing mouth. Shocked, she coughed hard, shooting one straight back at his busy bottom. A sexy game of poupong was now flying fast between the sooty stallion and his topless mistress. Meanwhile, Dre Pafonis was pacing the driveway and shouting into his phone, necking a stiff scotch and then tossing the glass, smashing it hard on the elegant steps of Glanmore Manor. He had married a once beautiful woman, Alberta, now morbidly obese and confined to a wheelchair following a terrible honeymoon golfing accident. It was only mini-golf, but Dre had swung too hard, knocking Alberta off the course and over the cliff edge. Dre had suffered too many years of this tawdry marriage and longed to leave her, but her father had vowed to kill him if he ever wronged again the daughter he'd disabled. Now, here she was, phoning him repeatedly, only to tell him what a useless piece of shit he was. He still felt the guilt, yet he wanted to be free. Shut up, you big bitch, he muttered, hanging up and shoving his phone into his bespoke linen slacks. Angrily, he set free his elegant topknot. His hair cascaded down his broad shoulders like custard. It was long, really long, which was unexpected, because when the topknot was in place, the hairs he left loose were only bob length. But that was Dre's calling card, his surprise hair mass. It was golden, honeyed, barley blonde with tones of biscuit and syrupy lowlights, and it reached all the way down to the top of his fine, round buttocks. He powered across the grounds in his tan lettuce loafers, trimmed with a cosy fur, unsure of where he was headed, his big mane swinging like a hairy pendulum and howling at the moon as he went. Elizabeth, meanwhile, had stripped naked to wash herself of Chocolate Boy's brown body balls in the water trough. Having drunk so much champagne throughout the evening and tired from their poupong, she now fell into a heavy slumber, her sumptuous body arched over a hay bale. Pedenda high and moonlight streaming through its sexy bristles. Dre felt himself pulled as if by a force towards an unknown destination. How could he know Elizabeth was lying naked and longing in the stables? It was as if his penis were a periscope, swivelling and poking its way onwards, upwards towards that which it so desired. The stables seemed to throb and pulse at his very approach. Warm, warmer, hot! Night fell hard like a hammer at a fair, and now Dre stood above Elizabeth, laid on her front with her bottom raised, his linen-clad legs straddling her bare golden frame. His swollen haze of flaxen hair was backlit and shaking as he unbuttoned his fly and unleashed his throbbing length and began to viciously pleasure himself at the sight of Elizabeth's dewied buttocks. 
She stirred at the sounds of his earthy grunts and rolled over to find him pumping his gristled trunk, his head rocking like an urgent chicken, whilst his quivering, belofed foot nosied its way to parting her thighs, affording him a better view of her now sticky canoe. Dre's eyes bulged at the vision of her purpling cavern and he fell to his knees, still pumping his sex nose close to bursting as she knelt to join him, bashing his face with her heavy breasts and filling his mouth with nipples. She jumped up suddenly and shoved him hard onto his back with her expensive stilettos, skilfully jimmying herself atop his vivid member. Up and down and down and up she bounced, twisting 180 degrees this way and that, dizzying his penis with her abilities. Roland, meanwhile, was seeking Dre to seal the deal on their new business agreement, the Bumpy Lou, a bouncy toilet that rocks you up and down to a tune as you pass a stool. Bop till you plop! Dre had played Roland the catchy jingle and the pair had clapped along as if they were at a wonderful gig. Cliffalis, now in a snug peach onesie, was eager to tell her father that she'd seen Dre going outside. Roland had put on his beige quilted gilet and matching ankle boots and ventured out onto the crisp night grounds, noting the smashed glass on the steps and becoming suddenly aware of distant moans. It seems to be coming from the stables, father remarked Cliffalis helpfully, though the noises were far from equine and they both knew it. As the duo traversed the elegant lawns, they heard the rhythmic volley of alternating oohs and ahs, male and female in tone, and ever quickening in tempo. Uh, could it be that Chestnut is fooling? ventured Cliffalis. Chestnut is a male, began Roland, unless it's one of these ruddy trans horses. Roland snorted in amusement, but Cliffalis was tense a small pinched fart escaping her large bottom as they walked onwards. Sometimes I think Mother prefers Sebastian to me, she piped. Of course she does, Roland barked, his pace increasing as the stable sounds escalated to wild and urgent yelps. She likes to look at beautiful things. Cliffless was scurrying behind him now. You have to understand your place in life, Cliffy. Maybe you'll get a little niche work on webcams, but you'll likely die a spinster as very few men are going to find you attractive. Although I did notice Vicar Harold having a good gawp at your chest, probably wondering where your ruddy titties were. This stung her deeply as she despised her tiny teats and often bashed them with a hairbrush to make them grow. I wish I had big sexy tits and a hot pussy like mummy, she blurted suddenly, her voice cracking. Roland was shocked to hear his dowdy daughter speak so crudely. He slapped her hard about the face and burst through the stable doors to find Elizabeth naked and drenched in semen and Dre, mouth agape, with his fine linen trousers crunched around his ankles. What what the heck's going on? Roland faltered. Elizabeth began weeping, her brain spinning like a roulette wheel for answers. He, uh, he assaulted me. Dre looked at her, horrified. Who? asked Cliffless. A chocolate boy she said, gesturing towards the guilty-looking horse who had been transfixed for the past hour by Dre and Elizabeth's frantic sex opera. And me, remarked Dre glumly. He really went to town on me. But how did he pull your trousers down, asked Roland. With his nose, said Dre. It was awful. Awful, echoed Elizabeth, a wicked smile curling at the corner of her mouth. I'll fetch Nanny, said Roland. You poor things. The clock struck 2am and all the dinner guests were finally gone. Dre had also felt it best to depart, much to Elizabeth's dismay. She hated even one night without a man adoring her to sleep. His linen trousers were so crusted with love milk, he'd had to drive home in just jacket and loafers, the speedy night wind soothing his coiled and battered penis. 
Elizabeth's mind was racing too, replaying their rabid lovemaking, so she had Nanny draw her a deep bath. But while luxuriating in the honey and chantilly creme bubble mix, she heard the ominous ring of gunshot. For one glorious moment, she thought Roland might have taken his own life, finally allowing her to have Glanmore Manor all to herself. Perhaps he had at last admitted to himself the continual reign of humiliation she had wrought upon him and released himself from such earthly torment. Or maybe it was Dumpy Cliffilis, who had shot herself at the haunting sight of her sperm-coated mother. Either would be good, thought Elizabeth, but both would be great. She thrilled at this vision of her wonderful new life. If just Roland was dead, then Cliffilis could simply be adopted by some tragic do-gooders who didn't mind ugly children, leaving her and Sebastian to have the run of the place for their wild parties and modelling, jetting off to foreign climes with her various lovers on all of Roland's yachts whenever the whim took her. Some might say Elizabeth already got to do what she wanted when she wanted, but she always felt Roland lurking in the shadows, clinging like a fart in a phone box. She leapt from the silky bath, tossed on her puce Dior lounge suit and fluffy shoes, and thundered through the house, pulsing with excitement in search of Roland's dead body. She pictured his small, boring brains dripping down the wall, his bald head fat and alone on the floor. But find him she did not. Of course the gunshot had sounded further away. It must be outside somewhere, probably near the stables, where Roland must have felt the dawning realisation of his futile existence. He must have done it there. She positively sprinted towards them, even abandoning her favourite chews as the heels kept catching in the brownied turf. Oh, the joy of all this without him. At last she arrived there to find him. Dead. Utterly dead. She let out a terrible curdling shriek, which could be heard across the hills and beyond. It was Chocolate Boy. He had been shot. Elizabeth sobbed. She realised that because she and Dre had named him as their assailant, here lay Chocolate Boy, beautiful, innocent and murdered. Elizabeth felt an electric surge of rage coursing through her veins. Roland had taken from her the only living thing she had ever really cared for. Yes, she loved herself and Sebastian, even Armand, but Chocolate Boy, their bond was supernatural. She fell to her knees and roared with primal grief. Back in Glanmore Manor, she found Roland tucked neatly in his bed, fast asleep. How could he, slumbering away proud as punch like a bald, boob-drunk baby, having slaughtered her dearest companion with his fat little hands. Elizabeth pounced upon him, her lounge suit flying open as she shook and slapped his jowls into consciousness. He opened his eyes to see his urgent wife atop him, her big breasts swinging like fleshy bells and her sex-swollen pedenda flapping in the wind. Dear God, he thought, inhaling a light prawny whiff. She's come to make love to me. He grappled his stumpy fingers about her weighty chest balls, clawing at her nipples like a dog at a door, whilst hurrying a calloused finger into her bristled plum. What the hell are you... She slapped his cheek. Oh, Dove, I thought perhaps you wanted some intercourse, Roland squeaked, his nose scrunched in terror. After you've shot chocolate, boy. But I... He assaulted you, and Dre, and I... His face was now contorting like a twisted tomato. You didn't have to kill him, she screeched, then punched him square on the nose before fleeing the room naked. Roland sat aghast, his bulbous nose sprouting blood from the spousal blow, glopping dark drips onto the stout and pasty bulb that was his lonely penis. I didn't kill him, he said quietly to himself.
Elizabeth awoke the next day truly rattled by Chocolate Boy's death and now unsure who murdered him. Roland was frankly too weak, but certainly she could not rest until she found the culprit. Her only pleasure that day would be her daughter's blessed return to boarding school. Cliffalis was puffed from weeping, her mouse-grave frizzy hair now more a pubic bonnet than a hairstyle, from a night of red and sweaty tossing at the prospect of returning to the boarding school that would once more be her cold and joyless home. But somehow more of a home than Glanmore Manor had ever been. How she longed to cavort about its sumptuous corridors like Sebastian in his silky nightshirt, laughing, giddy and pantless, the maids moistening at his swinging manhood as he mischievously snatched a toffee apple from Nanny's chubby hand before bowling into Mama's musky chambers for Turkish delight and sun-dappled pillow fights. How the big spotty lass ached for her mother's love, but each desperate attempt was met with contempt, and as Elizabeth adored to remind her each birthday, had she been a puppy, she would have been the runt, slammed her sack and drowned in the river. The closest thing the lumpy lass ever got to affection was a back-body rummage from a nun on her nightly dormitory rounds, seeking to cleanse the girls of the devil's worms. Elizabeth was oiling her hefty breasts when she heard a timid knock at the door. It was Cliffalis, suited and booted, in fawn velvet knickerbockers, with matching bolero and a boater squeezed on top of her buffalo-sized head. The mousy knock came again. What? Elizabeth snapped flinging the door open, thus hitting Cliffalus in the face. I just wanted to say goodbye, Mama. I won't see you until Christmas. She was clasping her bashed cheek. A surly clash of purple and yellow popped spots from her father's earlier striking. I won't be here at Christmas, and your father and I think it's best that you stay at boarding school over the festive period. Oh, sorry, where will you be? It's none of your business, but Antigua with friends. I hope you have a lovely time, Mama, and I just wanted you to know it wasn't Daddy that shot Chocolate Boy? She looked at her pleadingly. Elizabeth was stunned. Well, who... Well, who was it? Tell me. I... I can't... Tell me! She screamed, her glossy mouth gaping open, her teeth like stunning rows of pearls. Only if you let me stay here at Glanmore with you, Mama, and let me do a photo shoot with you, just like you do with Sebastian. Nanny made me a bikini! Cliffless held up a saggy woolen two-piece. You! Elizabeth bellowed. Do a photo shoot with you in a bikini? (laughs) Elizabeth was roaring with cruel laughter, convulsing like a woman possessed. Cliffalis's tiny eyes were full, blurring with tears like a rain-busy windscreen, whirling visions of her sperm-coated mother, of Sebastian and her entwined in complex yoga pose. She lurched towards her, punching at her mother's breasts weakly with her pale, clammy hands, but Elizabeth flew back at her like a pouncing puma, knocking her flat to the floor, tearing at her velvet knickerbockers, releasing her long and spotty bottom. Just tell me who it was, she seethed, almost strangling her. Mama, please. She tried with all her might to push her off, but her arms felt like spaghetti. God, I wish you'd never been born, you freak. I'll find out, you know. And you'll be very, very sorry you didn't tell me, little bitch. Exhausted by the stress of Chocolate Boy's death, Elizabeth announced she needed a luxury holiday and Roland excitedly agreed, suggesting they sail about the med on his new yacht, Priscilla. But Elizabeth weepily pouted about needing time alone to process her grief. In truth, she'd already invited Armand for a two-week bonkathon about Turks and Caicos, where they planned to fuck, 
and party from dusk till dawn. Elizabeth was excitedly waiting on Roland's private jet, enjoying the feel of her new pussy skimmer, a tiny leather dress and tall beef-brown stilettos, anticipating Armand with her legs open, her hair shaken loose and sassy. She held a dirty martini in one hand, a cigarette in the other, when her phone started buzzing like a bee in a bonnet. It was Armand. He sounded angry, really angry, and he was en route to join her. Elizabeth felt a cold panic glitter through her veins. What was going on? Armand was a big ginger giant, sexy as hell with his long brown penis, but by God, he could crush her like a crisp if he wanted, and she had never heard him quite so enraged. She was still nursing the last of her cocktail when Armand roared up in his butterscotch jaguar, his russet hair wind-blown and high, his fierce nose ruddy with rage. He mounted the plane in ginger leather trousers three steps at a time. Lurching towards Elizabeth like a crocodile after prey, he snatched the glass from her hand, hurling it to the back of the jet and just missing one of the homosexual attendants kneel, thus causing his heavily creamed psoriasis to burst back to vivid life. I saw you, Armand bellowed, his uvula pinging. What do you mean? She queried, her mind racing like a gazelle on the savannah. In the stables, with Dre Pafonis. Her heart stopped like a truck at a traffic light. You said you loved me. You're nothing but a dirty little whore. He slapped her hard with his pizza-sized hand, leaving her cheek rioja red and smarting. Please, Armand, let me explain. He slumped down like a surly teen into the mink-lined recliner next to her, angrily swirling his fine malt whiskey on the rocks and chomping on his mini pretzels as Elizabeth relayed her tearful version of last night's events. She spoke of Dre's awful sexual assault, of her terror, of Dre's terrible criminal past. It was all lies, of course. She'd only just met Dre at Roland's boring toilet dinner and she loved every goddamn moment of their torrid union. She trembled even now at the thought of his big billowing hair lassoing around his head, his tiny mouth yapping at the air with each new triumphant ejaculation. But Armand believed every word of her dreadful ordeal and vowed to kill Dre on his return. Please... Let's just have a nice holiday, she smiled, popping a glossy olive into her mouth and wiping mascara tears from her violet eyes. He agreed they could, but he would still need to kill Dre on his return. Cliffalis had surprised herself. She had not returned to boarding school, as her parents believed, but had secretly fled on arrival and hurriedly booked herself in for full body surgery. She'd opted for a cheap surgeon in Poland that she'd found online. Serarin Babonski, Surgeon to the Stars. Cliffalis wasn't sure which stars with no before but only after photos of women she'd never seen before, but they looked nice and for the first time in her life, Cliffalis felt powerful. After a terrifying drive from Krakow Airport with a meaty-breathed bull of a man named Rost, she arrived at the address of the cosmetic centre, but all she saw was a run-down house, standing alone on the edge of dark, imposing woods. A thin wind moaned outside, and a cluster of vicious-looking dogs emerged from the side of the house, ripping apart what looked like a human ribcage. I'm awfully sorry, um, Rost, but I don't think this can be the right address. Cliffless's mouth was dry with fear, her breath a ponging egg. It's the right address. Get out, commanded the burly Rost, his crusty-haired barrel belly bursting through the zipper of his tan leather jacket. I see, it's just... it's meant to be a cosmetic surgery centre and... Cliffless leant forward, clutching at Rost's greasy headrest and catching a whiff of his dark, lamy scent. My sister Bulbar on centre, Rost grinned, scratching at his heavy testes as he got out of the car. Oh! Well, the man who was meant to do my operation is actually called Serowin Babonski, exclaimed Cliffalis. Severin dead, Ross grunted. Oh! Cliffalis felt panicked. Hung himself on three. 
Rost nodded to a jagged-looking tree. Bulb are very good at operation, continued Rost, tossing Clefless's suitcase onto the wet grass, then lighting another cigarette and walking towards the small, ugly house. Bulba give you a new nose, huh? Rost winked at Clefless. No, no, I don't need a new nose, smiled Clefless weakly. You have Pinocchio nose, stated Rost. After some time of Rost battering on the crumbling front door, a middle-aged woman answered as wide as she was short, her face like boiled ham littered with moles, her small, angry breasts protruding through a blood-flecked apron. My sister Bulba, Rost gestured to Clefless. Beautiful, hmm? He smirked shunting himself into Clefless's rear, the threatening poke of his hard frontal stump forcing her into the dark and stinky hallway. Meanwhile, back on Roland's private jet, high in the sky, Neil, the now red and flaky homosexual, approached Elizabeth and Armand with their continental brunch platter. But Armand was busy unzipping the front of Elizabeth's pussy skimmer, the sight of her pouncing breasts causing his trouser tree to spring tall and purple from his ginger slacks. Neil waited as Armand twinned Elizabeth's flushing bosoms in one hand and chowed down on a long, rudded teats. But hearing Armand release a secret sex fart, having already left a long stool in the plain toilet, Neil thought it best to lay the yummy platter down beside them and return to his tiny seat. There, the waft of Armand's substantial stool filled his sensitive nostrils to full effect, its pungent pong both sickening and thrilling to him simultaneously. Armand turned for some quick, hearty chomps on Neil's brie baguette, before latching his crummy mouth back around Elizabeth's nipples, whilst deftly feeding a trio of fingers into her grasping anus. As she whelped her way through her fourth orgasm, she had all but forgotten Dre, who was now back home, tending to his wheelchair-bound wife, Alberta, unaware that Armand, a man he had never met, would soon return to kill him. Dre watched Alberta, fat and angry, munching her way through her third pack of uncooked crumpets. Dre knew it was shallow, but a morbidly obese bald balloon in a wheelchair did not suit his sexy stud image. When they'd wed, she was a smoking hot swimwear model, in top hat and thong, and Dre kept their wedding photo of her bending over, vulva glistening, boobs dangling, hanging by their front door for visitors to gawk at. But this, to her, was but a bitter reminder of what she'd lost, having been so cruelly cliff-tossed on their honeymoon. Dre had successfully played away from home on several occasions, but Elizabeth was by far the most intoxicating of all his encounters, and boy did his panty pipe ache for a second helping. In truth, he wanted more than that. He was in love with Elizabeth. Bored with Turks and Caicos, Armand and Elizabeth had sailed to Portofino, their go-to for sexy naked swimming in azure blue seas, gorging on fresh fish caught by swarthy locals and dancing in dazzling nightclubs with the most beautiful people and the best cocaine. Elizabeth adored this lifestyle, showing off her killer bod in an array of bespoke bikinis in chainmail, fur and chamois. On one such occasion, they were dining at an exclusive fish restaurant high on a cliff top with a stunning vista of the sea below them. Both wore bandanas, but Armand had no time for that view. It was the sight of Elizabeth sucking a giant prawn that purpled his penis, causing it to escape his lime-green speedos and peep its eager head above the table. Elizabeth eyed his tanned helmet, glistening in the midday sun, and swiftly pulled her bikini gusset to one side and began masturbating herself below the table. Armand groaned with desire, struggling to eat his sea bass, as he yanked himself up and down with his other hand, occasionally teasing his balls with a manly flutter from his fingers. The waiter came over to see if they wanted more wine. Elizabeth said yes, whilst they both continued to frenzy their fronts.
Armand discarded his sea bass and began to practice his own special two-handed self-pleasuring technique as if working a hefty pepper grinder whilst Elizabeth buffed her clitoris. Suck it, he commanded. The elderly lady at the next table looked over confused and began sucking on her carrot like an obedient pupil. Her cloudy cataract eyes trained hungrily on his ginger lips. Armand's dirty demand had Elizabeth suddenly climaxing. She slid under the table, humping it off the ground with her orgasmic shudders, whilst her fellow diners looked on confused, fearful the table was haunted, as she bumped it across to Armand's member, eager to take it to its final sneezing place. She gulped him into her mouth, his body shooting forward. But just as his penis spewed its sticky stew, he cried out, I'm sorry! I shot chocolate boy. Chocolate boy. Chocolate boy. Chocolate boy. At this, Elizabeth bit down hard, the tip of Armand's penis coming off clean in her mouth. He had killed her beloved horse. Ah, by accident, he wailed, his dark sex moans turning to curdling roars as his headless phallus shot fountains of blood about the restaurant, spattering diners, old and young alike. A month had elapsed since Chocolate Boy's tragic passing, and Glanmore Manor now glittered in a duvet of snow against the waxy winter sky, elegant cars sneaking towards its candlelit façade. Everyone was gathered to celebrate the proud stallion's harshly snuffed life. Elizabeth, always the renegade, had opted for music to bump and grind to as the mourners thronged to view the dead horse. Chocolate Boy stood, stuffed and mounted, inside a huge glass dome placed in the centre of the ballroom. His pose was that of him rearing, one front leg waving, the other with the hoof cocked down, giving him a camp playful look, which Elizabeth just adored. It helped too that he wore a sexy cap and bolero jacket in violet pink, his glass eyes mocking. Most human eyes, though, were not on the bitchy-looking horse in the giant jar, but on Elizabeth rocking her hips to the dirty beat in a white leather bondage dress, with flesh spilling between every strap, her tawny limbs piped into latticed gladiator stiletto boots. Sebastian was so proud of his sexy mother, his friends lusting after her as she strutted and pranced around the dead horse, herself like a leather-clad show pony, grabbing his hand to join her dirty dancing, mother and son moving in perfect unison. Roland interrupted his gyrating wife to inform her that the boarding school had just called to say that Cliffalus had never arrived there. Elizabeth suggested she may have been abducted, maybe even murdered, and continued shimming around her guests. Roland was sometimes surprised by his wife's lack of maternal instinct, but himself had to admit, though fond of Cliffalus, he often found her irritating and rather begrudged the thought of having to fork out ransom money, so a murder might in fact be preferable. But then he checked himself. For deep within, his moral compass still presided, a relic from his Catholic childhood when many a priest had scared him into obedience with a fiery sermon or a grope in the pulpit. Some wondered why he tolerated Elizabeth's flirtatious behaviour and blatant infidelity, but he simply couldn't see it. And once a year, she would tell him she loved him and suffer his difficult mushroom in her mouth until it spewed its milky lumps, which always made him feel like a king. Elizabeth's dancing ramped up a notch when she spotted Armand entering the party, stunning in head-to-toe denim with matching scarf and cap. Armand was on fine form, his penis tip having been replaced with a younger man's, and back in Elizabeth's good books, having explained he never intended to shoot Chocolate Boy, but Dre out of jealousy. 
Roland was uncharacteristically frosty with the denim-heavy stranger until Elizabeth explained that Armand was her animal bereavement therapist who had worked with many weepy celebrities and would have to stay over for a few days to monitor her grief cycle. What Roland didn't spot as their conversation continued and blinis were chomped was that Armand was steadily pumping his new patchwork penis in and out of Elizabeth's hot and hungry anus, continually wafting his billowy scarf to hide his ever-quickening body pokes. When he finally reached his climax, the force quite took Elizabeth's feet off the ground, skewering her high and frog-legged, which she had to pass off as a fun dance move, allowing Armand to bounce her to his shuddering finish, piping her intestines full of his man-cream. Pony, by Genuine, was playing when a curious young woman entered the party astride a bright white stallion. The assembled guests did not recognise her, though there was something familiar with her misty blue eyes and beak of curly blonde hair roofing above a large sculpted face. She wore a white lace basque with matching jodhpurs, her breasts enormous, her long feet encased in high strappy sandals. Everyone stared, including Elizabeth, furious not just at the audacity of this busty, uninvited mourner to arrive in such an insensitive manner, but perhaps more to see the male guests, young and old, eyes on stalks, all sidling up to her for a closer ogle. Sebastian, stunning and topless in his satin dungarees, was particularly entranced. His foxy golden armpit fur suddenly hot with sex sweat, his sleepy member now plumping like a cooking baguette. But as the lacy lady dismounted her silky steed, it seemed there was only one male she truly had eyes for. It was Frozzy, the tubby tease from Sebastian's clan, and he too was drawn to her like a magnet to a fridge. He walloped across the dance floor towards her, sherry in hand, his mottled belly bouncing. Hi! Frozzy offered her his chubby palm, sliding the other confidently around her broad torso. You've got a really toned trunk, he remarked admiringly. Thanks, she said. I'm Kizzy. Weird name, Frozzy snorted, but kind of horny. Frozzy's quite weird too, she replied confidently. How do you know my name? he asked. But she did not answer as he grabbed her by the hand and led her boldly to the nearest bathroom. What are you doing? Kizzy asked coyly, her voice husky, her breath strong. Just thought we should have some privacy, Fuzzy explained, humping his broad corduroy bottom onto the edge of the marble basin and patting for her to join him. She perched her newly pumped butt demurely beside him, her heart beating like a captured canary. And for a moment, they sat in silence. Suddenly, Frozzy swooped his large face at hers. Kiss me! He honked, his wet lips ajar, his hot buck teeth clashing with her nose as they began a frenzied smash of lips and tongues, Frozzy thrusting his fingers down her sweaty jodper front in search of a grisly pudding. I want to see you down there, he said, his eyes blackening, his sex stump truffling for relief as he dropped his toffee brown cords. Kizzy was scared, because she was, of course, Cliffalis made beautiful. Only the eyeballs themselves remained untouched by Bulba's grisly knife, but the shape had somehow been lifted from Piggy Pug to surprise Lurcher. Bulba had not let her look in the mirror after the 20-hour operation, and she was only just beginning now to grasp the power of her pretted face and bang a new board. She suddenly wondered why she was letting this bovine bully have free reign to pull and poke at her stunning new physique. Her plan had been to seduce Frozzy and then expose him, to exact revenge by getting him naked, then shoving him into the ballroom for all to see and laugh at. But here she was, thrilling at his clumsy fumbling and earnest sex eyes and the delicious power she now had over him. Wank my cock, said Frozzy, plainly. Kizzy was shocked but wet, so grasped it firmly, 
working his fleshy sleeping bag up and down, his helmet purpling in and out of vision, whilst Frozzy inspected her newly trimmed genitals with his big busy nose. So beautiful, he groaned, and a quickening grip sent his violent ejaculation up and over her head, pebble dashing the face of a dour-looking ancestor in a portrait. Drape Fonis was en route to the memorial party in his custard yellow Ferrari, his honeyed hair buffeting in the wind, glossing his lips with a salve to make them party plump. He presumed he would be welcome there, as Roland had believed his and Elizabeth's equine sexual assault story and was blissfully ignorant of Armand's existence, let alone his plan to kill him. On entering the pudding end of the party, he was in luck, as Armand was now snoring in the conservatory, his face freckled in parakeet poop, somewhat spent after souring Elizabeth for the fourth time that evening. Roland and Elizabeth spotted Dre striding towards them in cherry velvet joggers with plaited silk breeches and an ochre string vest, his nipples poking through, brown, wet and hairy. Roland was glad to see Dre to celebrate their bumpy loo business deal going through and Elizabeth felt her labia puffing like an angry cockatoo at the sight of his velvet joggers bunched full of man meat. They all conversed politely and when Roland turned away to burp up some sausage roll, Dre put his lips to Elizabeth's ear and whispered, I must have you. Patting her party pudenda privately, his middle finger hooked, ready to tap at her sex bead like an eager woodpecker. Roland had been ushered away to take a call and on his return informed Elizabeth, whom Dre was now fingering under his plate as she busily tugged him off, that the police now considered Cliffalis a missing person and the hunt was on. Elizabeth's sudden shattering orgasm doubled nicely as a hysterical mother, whilst Dre chimed in just after, with his own frenzied selection of grunt-filled grimaces as he soggied his joggers. Roland was touched by such emotional responses from both. Armand awoke with a start, the wintry chill of the conservatory suddenly clawing at his poop-crusted face, and scrambled up in search of Elizabeth. He would take a while to locate her as she was now in the west wing, sprawled on a white leather chaise longue, enjoying a deep tissue massage from Dre, writhing with pleasure as he whipped her torso with his big oily ponytail, lashing his sticky tendrils across her golden back, then shoveling it between her cheeks and piping it up her hungry anus. He jumped to his haunches like a Russian dancer and by grasping her mons from below, tilted her bottom towards him, thus feeding his proud soldier deep into her exit, then quickly out again, now covered in sweet corn, and slid it into her vagina. In and out and in and out, Dre pumped like a man at a petrol station. But suddenly the grunts and pumps of the bucking duo were punctured by the sound of rapid footsteps, a quick and snappy clopping. Armand had donned his party heels post-slumber and now blew into their fishy romping room like a hot tornado. His heart stopped at the scene before him, trying to compute what must, for justice sake, be Dre yet again sexually assaulting Elizabeth, though she was on top. Armand plucked his pistol from his pocket and shot at Dre, blowing off his ponytail as he pounced pantless from the window like a dancing ninja. Elizabeth shrieked and sobbed as Armand grabbed at her hot and sticky frame. It's over! It's over! He can't hurt you any more! he declared, pushing his tongue deep into her ear. She trembled in his arms, not from fear, but from the continuing orgasms that Dre had bequeathed her with his complex lovemaking. Elizabeth thanked Armand and explained she needed some time alone to process the assault and went in search of Dre, only to find him broken in the bushes, his eyes filled with tears as he reached up to grasp her pretty hand. I love you, he whispered. His voice was weak. She could see how much he wanted to hear it back, but it looked so different without his ponytail. I want you. I want only you. Marry me, Elizabeth, Dre croaked, his tongue a dry slug. 
She surveyed him, one leg back to front, his eyes crossed and simple, his nose a battered strawberry. She then thought about Armand, still handsome, but now with a patchwork penis, which, yes, was briefly fun, but in her heart she realised neither man could really satisfy her any more. Can we put a pin in it? she whispered, and flurried away, leaving Dre wretched and weepy with a short woman's haircut. The following morning, Elizabeth was in her transparent baby doll nightie, breakfasting on the veranda, fantasising about the new Swedish gardener Binked as he hacked topless at a tree trunk, whilst a teary Roland poked at his yellow kedgeree. He asked Nanny if there was any news on Cliffalis, but she shook her head sadly and quickly attended to Sebastian, now sloping sleepily out of the French doors in his burgundy briefs, his young manhood proudly clumped forward like a bag of maroon sprouts. His mother marvelled at her sexy son as he clambered onto his special seat, his fine torso and fat morning hair, his hot puffy lips gobbling at Nanny's nutty granola with the kind of gusto she felt sure he must offer in the sack. Suddenly, the big-faced girl from the party appeared on the lawn, this time in tangerine leather bikini, with a much satiated frozzy in tow, introducing herself as Kizzy. Elizabeth was most put out, and noted with fury how similar her citrus two-piece was to one in her own collection. She was shocked, too, to see Sebastian's eyes suddenly dilating as he watched Kizzy, black pools of lust. It was like a knife to her heart. Roland felt some stirrings, too, at the sight of the big-faced lass, and Nanny couldn't help but snatch a greedy ogle at his stripy pyjama crotch, twitching about like a mole in a pillowcase. The poor elderly virgin was flustered, having always carried a secret flame for Roland. Indeed, most nights her musty below-stairs bedroom was filled with her frantic fishy fumblings as she fantasised about her dumpy forehead master. Knowing her mother had always longed for a beautiful daughter to show off, Kizzy had hoped to befriend her now as some exciting new stranger to inveigle herself into her life and do girly things together like shopping and makeup and sharing vibrators and perhaps one day telling her the actual truth. But she could see the cold hate in Elizabeth's violet eyes and felt once more the bitter sting of rejection. This time, though, there was something different beneath the pain. She could not name it, but she damn well liked it. Perhaps it helped that she was no longer the lonely, ugly virgin. At Roland's breathy command, his crotch now a tangled nest, Nanny set two more places at the table, inviting the heavy-set lovebirds to mount the veranda and join the family breakfast. The curious couple tucked into the pastries and guzzled on Buck's fizz, Frozzy piling his plate to overflowing with a full English and tipping on almost an entire platter of cured meats topped off with a ruddy ox tongue. Elizabeth eyed the pair with distaste as Frozzy lent in to kiss Kizzy, his toothy mouth full of sausage. But now, riveted by Sebastian's bedroom eyes, Kizzy swiftly recoiled from the fat boy's meaty advances. Undaunted, Frozzy slid his chubby fingers into her leather gusset in the hope of a sticky rummage, but just managed a quick prod up her anus before being met with a fierce slap to the cheek. It's over! Kizzy snapped, jabbing his pudgy shin with her long-muled foot. Sebastian's eyes lit up. Frozzy's moistened. Over? Why is it over? He stuttered while sneaking a quick whiff of his prodding finger, the salty tang of her rectum, bringing his willy to a sudden sneeze below the table. I love you! Frozzy sobbed, still coming and grabbing at Kizzy, his ginger face crumpling red and yellow like a tomato under a grill. I deserve more, she shrieked, yanking her body away eyeing Sebastian coyly, biting at her lower lip like a porn star and pointing her big-nippled new boobs at him like two sexy torches. Sebastian nearly filled his pants, but asked instead, Do you want a dip? She wasn't sure what he meant, but huskily replied, Yes, please. Finally, she was in Sebastian's gang. Frozzy wailed. Elizabeth stood. 
What the hell's going on here? She demanded. Going for a swim, remarked Sebastian coolly, leading Kizzy towards the infinity pool. But she wasn't invited here. We're a family in crisis at Cliffalis's disappearance, and that's my bikini, you robbing bitch. I'll take it off then, shouted Kizzy gaily. Benked stopped hacking mid-air, his hessian shorts lumping as Kizzy tossed off her leather bikini, displaying her whopping boobs and proud white bottom in the bright morning sun. Frozzy flew towards Sebastian, a pounding beast in a red rage, as Binked's tanned hand furiously worked the shiny brown shaft of his axe. She's mine! Frozzy screamed. Sebastian laughed cruelly and shoved the bumpy boy into the pool like a big fridge, and was scooping Kizzy up tenderly in his arms and lowering her into the water. Elizabeth stalked into the house, fury pounding through her veins like a bitter lava. She composed herself. Sebastian would get bored, as would Roland. She just had to wait a few hours. Elizabeth's only comfort that day was anticipating the delivery of her new Arabian stud, Caramac, to replace her beloved chocolate boy, and she'd dressed specially for his arrival. She went to check that all was well in the stables, but when she arrived in her matching pickle-brown bum-bum shorts and bra, she found Benked painting Chocolate Boy's personal quarters in gaudy silver and white disco squares. What the hell are you doing? She snapped, but still eager for some intercourse with Banked through in a sultry smile. Just painting stable for Miss Kizzy Horse Cliff, he offered in his odd Swedish tang. No, no! She has no right to order anyone around here. You need to repaint it chocolate brown with the scattered velvet patches just as it was now. But Miss Kizzy told me... Miss Kizzy... Elizabeth's voice was hard, but her pretty, polished fingers were deftly unzipping his tight hessian shorts. Is no one. Oh! He gasped, his thickening member springing out like a frog at a party. In fact, she's a gypsy, a thief and a whore. But Miss Kizzy, she said... Elizabeth silenced any further talk by uncoiling his long, freckled penis. She fed it into her mouth and began the not unsubstantial task of fellating him. Her work was not quite done when she heard the sound of hooves approaching. She peered through a crack in the timber to see Kizzy atop her ivory steed, with Sebastian behind, clasping her broad waist protectively, his big lips clamped to her neck like a jellyfish. Elizabeth felt a spurt of jealous sick sting in her throat. Why are the stables not yet completed as I asked? shouted Kizzy, dismounting. Elizabeth pranged Benk's penis aside and clambered down naked, her eyes midnight blue with rage. How dare you! These stables are for Caramac and Caramac alone. Oh! Perhaps I forgot to mention, said Kizzy coolly. Caramac had a stroke en route. The driver still wanted him even like that, but I sent instructions she should be shot immediately. Behind her, Sebastian nodded like a doll, his eyes glazed with lust. New mistress so wise and kind, cooed Bent, struggling to force his enraged member inside his hessian shorts and taking Cliff's reins, leading him to the stable block. Elizabeth reeled. Never had men disobeyed her before. She glared at Kizzy, who squared up to her, eyes also aflame, and leaning in close so that the two women's breasts were now squished up against one another like four sweaty tea cakes. And Sebastian has instructed Nanny to move us into the main chambers at Glanmore, Kizzy hissed. So pack your things. Mother! 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 gasped Elizabeth, just as Benked was shrieking, having had to finish himself off inside the stables whilst Cliff observed. Kizzy held her steely stare. Elizabeth felt her stomach flip. Was there something familiar about those watery blue eyes? Elizabeth couldn't tell. The breath, too, had a familiar pong. But perhaps that was just semen. 
Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens.